Good evening. Good evening. How you guys doing? Man, we can do a little better. How, how are we doing, really? All right. Good stuff. Man, welcome to Genesis, man. We are glad you guys are here. Thank you for joining us tonight. And uh, my name is Mike. If we haven't met, I'm the lead pastor here at Genesis. And, and at Genesis, we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so I hope that when you came through the door tonight that you felt welcome, that you felt comfortable and invited. And I also hope that you came tonight with an expectant heart, one that is ready to hear from the Word of God. And so I, I'm believing tonight that he's going to speak to you. And so I'm excited to be here. Uh, just as a reminder, I'll be taking two weeks off whenever our baby is born, which is coming up in just a, should be fairly soon. We actually, um, hopefully Emily doesn't mind me sharing this, we actually were in the hospital this morning thinking it was time, and it wasn't. Fake news. Um, so, uh, but that was fun. Uh, so we got a little trial run, so uh, nothing yet, but um, so it should be soon. Uh, so we have two solid speakers lined up for those nights that I'm really excited about, and so uh, I know that uh, when you show up on those nights, it's going to be awesome, and so we're excited for that. And so tonight, to start the discussion, I want to ask you something, Okay. And uh, if we could, I'm just going to kind of go down a list of things. And so if you, okay, let me, let me just go ahead and start this, and then we'll go from there. So what, what, if, what if I told you that by saying one thing, so you're saying one phrase, you can improve these areas of your life, okay? So let me ask you, would you want to improve in these areas of your life, okay? So when I, when I say something, say yes back, okay, if you, if you would want that. Okay. <laughs> Would you want to improve your relationships? Okay. Physical health. Mental health. Empathy for others. Amount of aggression. <laughs> We're like, oh, I don't know. All right, all right, okay. Your self-esteem. All right, here's a big one. Your sleep. Yes. All right. Yeah. Man, we got excited about that one. Uh Cool. So all of that sounds pretty great, right? All that sounds pretty great. And improving all of those areas is scientifically linked to saying one thing, saying one phrase. All of those areas improve when we say thank you. And so tonight we're going to be talking about the power of gratitude. And we're going to be continuing our series, Hint of Heaven, which has been highlighting different miracles through the life of Jesus. And, and so over the last two weeks, we've defined a miracle as a taste of what's to come on earth, a taste of heaven on earth. And we've defined a miracle as a hint of heaven. And we've seen how every miracle has two things in common, Jesus and a problem. That every miracle has two things in common, Jesus and a problem. And then in week one, we, we saw how faith was greater than the facts and how what we believe about ourselves is greater than what, or what we believe about God is greater than what we believe about ourselves. And then last week, we talked about how we should make this shift from a from a problem perspective to a praise perspective. And so, so, so tonight we're going to be talking about the, the power of gratitude as we continue this series. And, and it's clear in Scripture that thankfulness or gratitude is valued uh, in the eyes of God. It's something that God values. And a funny story that, that I'm going to share, it's not my story, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, so if you guys know about these, these difference maker cards that we use, right? Uh, they, on the way out, the little red card that have like an active random kindness for you to do during the week. Well, my friend Jake here, uh, he, he does them every week, and he takes them home, and it's kind of his challenge for the week. And, and so he took one home in particular, and it's actually one of the more challenging ones. It says to say thank you to a public servant, which is kind of, like I said, it's a little bit more of a challenging one. And so 
And so he went all week, and it was kind of like, okay, nothing's happening. Uh, I've never, you know, I haven't had an opportunity to do that. So I'm just going to call it a wash, and I'll get a new one on Tuesday, and we'll start over. Well, Friday night, for, so after a Tuesday night on a Friday, he gets pulled over for speeding. And, and, uh, and so he got to ask or got to tell the, the police officer, thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for what you do. Uh, and so <laughs> thank and, and he still gave you the ticket. So, I mean, it, it is what it is. But uh, so it's clear that, that God values uh, gratitude. He values thankfulness. And, and that's what Jake said. He said after that moment, it was kind of like God made it clear to him, like, yeah, yeah I, I wanted you to do this. And so God definitely values gratitude. And all those benefits that I that I listed for you guys, they come from saying thank you to other people. But what I want to talk about tonight is what happens when we say thank you to Jesus. And so we're going to find out as we move forward tonight. So I'm going to pray, and, uh, and then we'll jump in to the verses for tonight. So pray with me. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity that it is to join together here on a Tuesday night. God, we've got one goal tonight, and that is to see you glorified. And so God, I pray tonight that, that your voice would speak louder than my own, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in this place as it is in heaven. And God, that we'd be closer to you on the way out tonight than we were walking in. In Jesus' name, if you agree with me, say amen. All right, so if you would, turn to, to Luke chapter 17. Uh, and, and while you're doing so, I'm going to give you some context. So while you're turning to Luke 17, if you have your Bible, at this point in the life of Jesus, he's been doing the three Ps. He's been preaching, prophesying, and performing miracles. And leading up to our story tonight, Jesus has been preaching a ton. If, you're, if your Bible has the, the words of Jesus in red, the pages surrounding chapter 17 are full of them. And so coming into chapter 17, we, we see some parables and some teaching on some different topics. And, and so by the time we get to chapter 17, Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. And just as a, a side note, if you remember from last week, he was doing the same thing. He was heading to Jerusalem. And uh, this is actually the same trip that we talked about last week. And this, this story actually takes place before he gets to the blind beggar, so if that interests you. So he's headed to Jerusalem, and on the way, he has this inter- interesting interaction. So this is Luke 17, 11 through 13, and this is what it says. On the way to Jerusalem, he, talking about Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So Jesus is, is headed to Jerusalem, like we said, and, and uh, he's passing between two regions, uh, G- uh, Samaria and, and Galilee. And, and this is going to kind of set the stage for tonight. And so this, is, this area was basically no man's land, okay? So if you want to picture, like, Wild West, you know, there's nothing going on. There's the tumbleweeds, you know, going by. This is, this is basically what this was. This was no man's land. It was an area between two cities. And, and it's good to know for tonight that Samaria was a place that the, the Jews were not fond of. And so uh, Jews and Samaritans just didn't get along. And it was mostly because the people in Samaria kind of had their own, their own beliefs about God. They kind of had their own version of it. And the Jews didn't agree with it. And so they just didn't like each other. And it was actually to the, to the extent that if you were a strict a strict Jew, you would, you would go, like, if you're trying to get to Galilee, you would go around Samaria. Like, you would just avoid them. I don't know if you know people like that in your life where you're like, wow, I'm just going to avoid them. Okay, so that's basically what was going on. They just didn't like them. Um, and so uh, as we see, as he entered a, a village, so this, this small community outside of the city, he's met by 10 lepers, 10 lepers, and they start shouting at him from a distance, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So if every miracle involves Jesus and a problem, we just got our problem defined tonight, leprosy. And so what I want to do before we move forward 
is to take a second and kind of paint the picture for you. And like I said, kind of set the stage. Because if you've been around church for a while, then you've probably heard a lot of stories about Jesus and his interactions with lepers. Because leprosy was a lot more common back in that day. And, and so it's possible that we hear the word leper and it just we're kind of indifferent to it because we hear it about a lot in the Bible, but we don't really see it a lot in today's world, especially in more developed countries. And so basically, I want to just explain to you what leprosy actually is. And so leprosy is a skin disease that was not deadly, but it didn't go away very easily. And the disease causes the body's tissues to degenerate, and it, it made the body kind of deformed. And so people that had leprosy, they would their, their fingers were, were curled up, their noses were collapsed in, they, uh, they had like uh, swollen ears, and so it also caused extensive ner- nerve damage. And this is, this is kind of crazy, uh, to the point where doctors who have studied modern leprosy patients have reported them being able to pick up a cup of boiling water and not be able to feel it. And so that's what these people are dealing with. And, and one of the biggest issues uh, of leprosy is that it's highly contagious. And so lepers in, in biblical times, they were cast out from the cities. And so that's why it's not surprising that as Jesus walks through no man's land, he encounters some of them. And what we see is that it's this small community of lepers. There's 10 of them. And so as the cliche goes, misery loves company. And so we have a, a group of 10 lepers, all of which had been cast out from their families into no man's land for fear of spreading the disease. And then here comes Jesus. And so they see Jesus and they start calling out from far away. Remember, they had to keep their distance because they were contagious. And so they start shouting out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And, and if, you, if you've been here for the first two weeks of this series, then you may be noticing a theme here. I'm not going to go into too much detail about previous weeks, but this is the third time here that the person has said, have mercy on me. Uh, and, and like I said, if you've been here, you know, but this seems to be a common plea to Jesus. And, and what I, why I want to say that really quick is that if you think about it, when you ask somebody for mercy, it's, it communicates that they in some way have power over you. And in this, it's like a humble plea. It's, it's, a, it's a phrase of submission. It's an acknowledgement of helplessness to be in a spot where you have to ask somebody for mercy. And that's where these guys were. And so let's keep reading. Let's see how Jesus responds. This is Luke 17, 14. When he saw them, when Jesus saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they, were, as they went, they were cleansed. So Jesus says, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were healed. And so what you see here is a small evidence of faith in these verses, that these lepers were, were healed in their going. And so they had to have had some ounce of faith to say, okay, Jesus told me to go to the priest, so to the priest I go. And what I want to do fairly quickly here is explain why, why they had to go see the priest. And so, and this will come into play later. And so at this point, Jesus had not yet died and on the cross, rose again, and so everybody was still held to the Old Testament law, the Old Covenant law. And in the law, it said that if someone was cleansed of leprosy, that they had to be examined by a priest to make sure. And then they had to go through this protocol of rituals and sacrifices. And and then basically at the end of that process, the priest would give them this certification to say, yeah, you can go back into society. And so that's why he said, go back to, go see the priest. And in the next next few verses, we're going to we're going to see things get a little bit more interesting. And so let's keep reading and see how this story is going to apply to us. So this is Luke 17, 15 through 19. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. 
And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. And so the ten lepers, they take off to see the priest. And one of them, as he's going, he looks down at his arms wherever he had the leprosy and where he saw the sores and where he, saw, where he felt the pain and where he saw the disease was all of a sudden gone. And so he realizes that he's healed, the feeling's back, and so he turns back and he makes this beeline for Jesus and he immediately falls at his feet and he says, thank you, thank you for healing me. He starts praising God and shouting, shouting praises to God. He says, thank you. And I love that at the beginning, at the beginning of this story, this leper had had to keep his distance. But when he had an experience with Jesus, he was able to be brought close. He started out at a distance, and now he's at the feet of Jesus. And that is such a picture of the gospel. That is such a picture of the gospel, that as sinners, we were outcast from the family of God. We were diseased by our unrighteousness, distanced from God. And then Jesus stepped in, and through his life, death, and his resurrection, We were healed of our problem of sin, and it brought us close to him again. And we could call it a night on that truth alone. That we were once sick, and now we are healed. That we were lost, and now we are found. That we were dead, and now we're alive. That through Jesus, we were cast out, but then brought close. And in this moment, we see our our main idea for the night. This man, in in his turning back, to thank Jesus, he showed a desire for not only the supply, but also the source. He showed desire not only for the supply, but the source. And in the response of Jesus, we see how much value that he puts on thankfulness. Jesus responds, and he says, we're not ten healed. Where are the other nine? Could not but one come back to say thank you? And he tells them, and he says, rise and go your way. Go live your life. Your faith has made you well. And in the Greek, that phrase is a little deeper. He tells them, your faith has saved you. And so in this, in this story, all ten, all ten lepers got their skin healed. But only one got his heart healed. And what we see in that moment is the power of saying thank you. And what we see in that moment is what the lepers valued come to the surface. The nine, the nine lepers didn't want Jesus for who he was. They just wanted what he could give them. They just wanted the benefits, but not the relationship. The nine wanted their certification from the priest to say, yeah, go back to living your life. They wanted the healing. But the one that turned back, the one that turned back to thank Jesus, he wanted to acknowledge the source. He wanted the healer. And here's, here, this is huge. The one leper that came back to say thank you wanted Jesus to get the glory for it before he received the benefit of it. That's a strong truth for your life tonight. What if we did that in our lives? To acknowledge the source, not just the supply. To turn back to Jesus, to thank him for what he's done for us. To make sure that Jesus gets the glory before we get the benefit. And when I talk about what, what he's done for us, in your mind, I want, I want that to encompass all of it. 
the temporary and the eternal, to thank him for the eternal things like salvation and grace and forgiveness and mercy and redemption, but to also thank him for the temporary things like your family and your job and your education and your car or where you live. Everything we have is a gift from God. And so therefore, everything we have gives us a reason to thank him for it. And so in the temporary, it is a miracle that God has provided the place that you live, the car that you drive, the job that you have, the education that you have. And in the eternal, it is a miracle that God has provided us with salvation, provided us with love and with mercy and forgiveness. But so often we take these blessings, we take these miracles, these gifts, these provisions, we take them and we run. But we never turn back to say thank you. I was thinking this week, what would happen if we as Christians lived a life of radical gratitude? To live in a constant state of thankfulness towards God and towards others. So here's my question for you tonight. Do we want just the supply or do we want the source? Do we want just what Jesus can give us or do we want Jesus? As Christians, we shouldn't be in this, this, in this faith. We shouldn't be in this whole Christian thing just for what we can get. Asking what's in it for me is a terrible way to approach a relationship. Think about any relationship you're in, a friendship, dating relationship, married relationship, whatever it may be. You wouldn't want anybody to say that they're only friends with you, that they're only dating you, or they're only married to you because of their selfish gain, what they get out of it. You wouldn't want that. Right, like I, I'm friends with I'm friends with Harrison, the guy that plays drums up here. I'm friends with Harrison, but what if it was just because he played drums? Like, what if I was friends with him just to say I was friends with a drummer? Yeah, I, I know a guy that's a drummer. I'm friends with Harrison because of who he is as a person. I would still be friends with him even if he didn't play drums. Is it cool that he plays drums? Absolutely. But that's not the basis of our relationship, not the basis of our friendship. And we would never say that about our relationship with Jesus, but so often we live as if that's true. That are, are we Christians just because we believe Jesus will give us what we want? I want to be a Christian because of my relationship with Jesus and who I know him to be. Is it cool that he works miracles? Is it cool that he provides and helps and saves? Absolutely. But I want a faith that even if Jesus didn't give me the things that I wanted, that I would still have a relationship with him. Because I'm not in it for me. I want to be in it for Jesus. And I think that's where a, an, an, an in it for me type of faith breaks down. Because when the rubber hits the road and when life gets tough and when, when things get difficult for you, if you're just in it for the supply, and all of a sudden that supply runs out, that supply runs dry, what do you do? You start blaming God. You start walking away from your faith. You start walking away from the church. That's what happens when we fall in love with the supply and not the source. We want to we look good at church. We want the eternal life. We want the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy, but we don't want our lives to look like Jesus in the day-to-day. -day. We don't want to seek after Jesus on the day-to-day. -day. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be like the nine lepers that took off with their healing and then forgot the healer. I want to be like the one that turned back 
and didn't just receive the supply, but also acknowledged the source. I want Jesus to get the glory for what he's done in our lives before we receive the benefit of what he's done. Our lives should be a massive thank you to Jesus. And I'm not perfect at this by any means. But one example I can give you from my life is that I, I pray all week for God to move in your lives on a Tuesday night. And so, and, and so after a Tuesday night is over, one where I feel like God has been glorified, one that, where he came through and where I, where I feel like you guys grew closer to him, it would be foolish for me to wake up on Wednesday morning and not tell God thank you. It would be foolish for me to ask God for something and then when he gives it, to never show any gratitude. So for us in here tonight, I want us to experience salvation. I want us to experience healing and gifts, and provisions, and all of these things, but I don't want us to forget where they come from. I don't want us to take the miracle and run without ever turning back to say thank you. So maybe tonight we need to make the conscious decision to stop seeking just the supply and start seeking the source, to stop seeking just the gifts and the provision and the miracles and the healing, and instead start seeking the giver and the miracle worker and the provider, our lives should be a massive thank you to Jesus. So I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And as we respond tonight, man, I would encourage you to let this be the moment where you turn back to say thank you. Where you take a moment to say, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me and providing for me. To seek the source, not just the supply. As I can tell you tonight, we've all got a reason to say thank you. We've all got a reason to praise God and to thank him. And so, so tonight, we could, we could leave like those nine lepers and never turn back and say thank you, or we could be like the one that did. So God values gratitude. God values saying thank you. He values thankfulness. And so this is your opportunity, opportunity to, do, to do that. And so as we leave here tonight, too, I would encourage you to take this with you, just like every message, but this one in particular, to have an attitude of gratitude, to stay in a constant mindset of being thankful. So tonight, I would encourage you, don't seek the supply, seek the source. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity again that it is to come here and hear your word, be a part of a body of believers. God, I know that you've blessed us beyond measure. God, you sent your son to die for us. God, you made a way for us when there was no way. And so, God, above all, we have a reason to praise tonight because of that. We don't want to take the eternal life. We, want to, we don't want to take the blessing and run. God, we want to instead come back, turn back, and say, God, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for the grace that you give, the mercy you give, and the forgiveness you give. God, I pray for our attitude of gratitude. It would not just be stuck in a building, God, but it would be something we take into all of our different contexts, God, all of our different worlds. Thank you is a powerful thing. So, God, we want to take this moment to say thank you to you. You deserve it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, let's stand and worship.